The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris, are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you, too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin. Hey, 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 it's Wednesday. It is hump day, hump day, hump day. I am glad to be here in the Valley Glad to be able to come and speak with you all again this week, uh, cover some sports. Um, it's beautiful. It's 80-something odd degrees here in Arizona, uh, and I am remiss to think about what my family's going through in the Midwest. Uh, I talked to my mom today. She told me about the storms in Chicago. Hey, I'm glad it's not me, but I'm glad my family is safe. Uh, and on that note, I have Maurice is not here um, so I have a longtime friend and guest coming in from where else? The Midwest. He's a little smarter than the rest of the people that I know that are stuck there. Um, the gentleman I'm going to introduce you to is Coach Bob Naslin. How you doing, Coach? Fine, fine, JD. Glad to be in Arizona. <laughs> and I, I'm sure you are. So let me let me tell you this, guys, about uh, Coach Naslin. Uh, I had the opportunity. Uh, back in 2006, seven, to go. I was actually trying to stay in Arizona, could not find a coaching job. And I'm telling you, I went on Football Scoop and searching for a job. I see a coaching job in Decorah, Iowa. And then I realized, hey, that's where my brother-in-law's parents graduated from. And they always talked about this place called Luther College, like it was Camelot. <laughs> and so what ended up happening I applied for the job, and long story short, uh, their season started, uh, or practices started in August, like, 12th. August 10th, I packed my little Volkswagen Jetta and drove from Phoenix to Decorah, Iowa. And it was actually kind of humid there, and uh, long story short, I'm in this uh, conference room in the basement uh, surrounded by cement. And there was one angry-looking black guy who was about my age. And then there was this one hippie guy who looked like Jim McMahon's little brother. Or Jim McMahon's, yeah, he kind of looked like Jim McMahon. Had his earring in his ear, spinning a football in his nose. And a bunch of older Caucasian males. So there's a story to this. Uh, long story short, one of the gentlemen uh, began to ask me, Coach, how do you feel about living in a small town with a whole bunch of white people? And I looked around the room, and I was like, you guys are white? And then this gentleman right here, Bob Nason, was like, hire him. He's one of us. <laughs> and uh, that goes to show, uh, before I go a little bit further, um, Coach Naslin was ahead of his time, uh, what he was doing for a small liberal arts school. He was not only a coach at Luther, he was a former head coach, but also a player uh, in Decorah, Iowa. And as a head coach, he was going to inner city Chicago, 
bringing guys, probably I kind of learned some things from him, bring them in and uh, have them drive across the state lines at night so they couldn't even see all the cornfields and the desolate land in between Chicago and Decor, Iowa. But once you get into this little small town in Iowa, it'll change your life. And uh, just have an immense amount of respect for Coach Naslin and uh, and everyone there at Luther is a great time. But Coach, talk talk tell us about Luther. Tell us about you, what you're doing. I think this would be good for our audience. Well, thanks. You're very generous with your comments, JD. Uh, I'm, I retired uh, almost ten years ago. Uh, worked at the college for forty two years. And Wait, stop. You retired? I retired. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they call it. <laughs> okay. And. and uh, <laughs> Uh, worked at the college actually for 42 years and uh, went through 47 football seasons at that institution as a player and a coach in uh, in what we call the Iowa Conference, Division Three, a uh, very good conference in, in Iowa. But uh, I'm retired and uh, staying close to the college, I actually drive the team bus. And uh, it's a little unusual. In fact, my kids say, Dad, what are you driving a bus for? And I said, well, number one, I still can. And uh, at my age, uh, it's always great to be able to do things that you can. And number two, it keeps me close to to the young people and close to the game and the games. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. I've got a a great family, and uh, they are a huge part of my retirement. uh, My wife, Ann, has put up with me through all of those years of uh, of coaching and, and Ann is a luther alum she's a luther well. alum which really helped uh i uh it really helped she had a loyalty and a love for luther her father is a luther uh, graduate as well and she had uh, two sisters so uh it, it, in any any profession uh spousal support is uh, is probably the number one key and i was lucky that uh, i that was ingrained in her she loved luther college and uh, loved Decorah. And we were able to raise our, our family of three kids, and all of them graduated from Luther. All were, were athletes and uh, at Luther, but have all uh, gone through the, the two daughters, went through the nursing program, and have done extremely well and been well equipped with, uh, with their nursing majors. And our son, um, who also played football at Luther and, uh, and ran track, uh, got into education, was a high school uh, teacher and uh, head track and field coach for about 15 years and then got into business in sales and uh, lives in the Chicago area. And uh, we have nine grandchildren. So uh, retirement, uh, bus driving and nine grandchildren have uh, made retirement uh, a lot of fun. And it's also allowed me to, to travel a little bit and run into people like J.D. from time to time. So. Thanks for uh, having me aboard today. Oh, not a problem. And and I have I have some Coach Nay stories. And it's funny he he mentions his one son that was in Chicago, Mike. We actually lived together for a couple months. And uh, when uh, one of the things that I found um, prior to going to Luther, I had been and we we were talking about discussing this before the show. I had been at a couple different colleges, had worked pros at that time at. Basically, I've been in three teams that gone from Cle- or the Bears to Cleveland and did an internship uh, with the Colts. And to this day, Coach High School as well, to this day, Luther was just such a unique environment. And this is coming from uh, a diverse man that 
grew up in Chicagoland and things like that and typically lived in urban cities. Um, but it's a very unique institution, uh, really good for the arts. Uh, Luther, or Christmas at Luther is unbelievable. I mean, you have Dave Matthews Band going there and, and recording live at Luther. For those of you that like Dave Matthews, yeah, I, I actually listen to him too, believe it or not. Um, but it, it was such a sense of family. And um, what I found, guys that typically went to Luther, whether they're players, and I didn't even know I had cousins that graduated from there, and friend, like longtime family friends, they were like, you went to Luther? And everyone that I've ever spoken to has, at the end of the day, went back and was like, it was one of the rare, unique experiences that they ever had. And I mean, and coming from, again, a diverse perspective, the people are like, okay, I didn't feel like I experienced racism the way I did in Chicago. Um, and I, I think it had, even with the sports, you just saw uh, uh, the Norseman pride, um, you know, speaking with like Coach Naslin and uh, Paul Hefty and um, just. Dan Marlowe, those guys that played and went there. Um, one of the things I liked they allowed, which was rare, most had a good population of student athletes that participated in multiple sports. Um, I know the the stadium, you get off on that bluff and you sit in the stands, and Sports Illustrated rate, rated it like one of the top places to watch a college football game on a Saturday. It's just it was, it was always a great day in the valley, as Roger Yeager would say. <laughs> uh, but so what, I mean, tell me what drew you there, what made you continue, and then yeah, elaborate a little bit. Well, I lived down the down the Mississippi River uh, about three hours in Illinois, on the Illinois side. And uh, we had, uh, Luther had a legendary football coach, Edsel Schweizer, um, who uh, wrote thousands of uh, recruiting letters and uh, a lot of them in handwriting. It's something very unique. I know coaches, they write uh, handwritten notes, but he wrote two-page letters, personal letters. And um, he mistakenly sent me a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow my name had appeared in the paper. Uh, you have to realize I was uh, five foot five and weighed 145 pounds as a senior in high school. And uh, basically, wasn't going to be a recruited athlete, and he didn't know that. He didn't know I was small. He, well, and so anyway, that's how I learned of Luther, uh, Augustana, Rock Island, a great Division three school in Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, some of the listeners may have heard of that, uh, even more than Luther, uh, was close to home, 25 miles away. But our salutatorian and valedictorian were going to go to Augie, and I thought maybe I should probably. Uh, pick someplace else, although Luther is, is good academically. But that's, Ilse Schweizer's the reason, he's the reason that uh, a number of people came to Luther over the years, and uh, J.D. alluded to our music department, Christmas at Luther is a good example. Music is very strong, and uh, we had a legendary figure there, Weston Noble, who might, there might be a listener out there that uh, has heard of Weston Noble, but Ilse Schweizer was that kind of a, a, a leg, legend and left that kind of a legacy in the athletic department. So that's what that's what attracted me, and I visited and um, basically was told that I uh, probably had very little chance to play to play football. 
and uh, but I was uh, really enamored by the beauty of uh, of, of the valley, as uh, JD has stated, and um, basically the people. And it's still a, we got great buildings, we got a beautiful valley, but the people are still uh, really the strength of of the, the institution in that area. And uh, as you may have gathered from listening to JD, I think that uh, that that really grabbed him as well. And uh, so the, the rest of the story, I went to Luther and actually had some success playing football and uh, and then and uh, went out for track. I wasn't that good in track, but they needed, needed numbers and track can be a great numbers program in, uh, in, in a high school or in Division III for that matter. And uh, so I went out there to be one of the numbers and had a little bit of success there and ended up being the head coach of both track and field and at football at wow, Luther. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was uh, 12 years a head track coach at Luther, and and uh, so I had a 30-year stand as a head coach in in the two sports, track and field, and football. And uh, again, the uh, the greatness is uh, is the people, and uh, not all Luther grads. JD was, is, you know, uh, what a blessing. I I, I had a, my 60th birthday party quite a while ago, but I said, you know, the Cora and Luther College is the kind of place, you know. If you really stay there, really good people show up, and uh, and and that's as I say that's uh, and for our family, I think that, that was obviously the same as well. And they've never regretted the uh, a day of living in Decorah, it's a small town, but uh, we uh, like I say the people of in the community, and uh, we're Midwestern and. Uh, but I've taken football teams to the Netherlands and to Norway, and people around the world um, are the same. Um, there may be some language issues, there may be some uh, minor cultural uh, issues, but uh, we all have the same needs, the same loves, and the same desires to be appreciated and, and to be worthy, and, uh, and to maybe uh, have a little bit of success in life. So. And, and speaking of that, with the diversity and knowing the basic needs of people. I, I guess my question, what drew you and even gave you the confidence to go and, and recruit? I'm talking about he was inner city Chicago, west side, south side. I mean, you know, and I I, I know they used to call you Ed Devoliak. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, talk about that a little bit because that, I mean, you during that time, especially, well, even... Even now, that's still kind of uncommon. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit, Coach. Well, I came from a real, real small farm town, and uh, probably when I entered high school, I had really only seen one black person that was a part of, a, of the Cambridge, Illinois community that I grew up in, mm. and he wasn't allowed in town after dark. Uh, this was back in the 50s now when I was a child. and uh, But he was training uh, harness racehorses out at the fairgrounds, the county fairgrounds. And, and uh, we as kids used to go out and watch, Guy Stewart was his name. Uh, we used to watch him train those horses and work with those horses. And now and then he would, you know, he would acknowledge the fact we were there. And... Uh, uh, that left his his patience and his caring and working with those horses uh, left a major impression on me. 
uh, Jesse Owens came to Cambridge as a, as a speaker and uh, shook his hand. So that so it was a limited experience of even uh, being you know close to to black people. I wrote my high school research paper uh, on Jackie Robinson. Mm. It was it was it was a great idea. Uh, number one because it was a, it was a, it was a great story and it was a great subject to write on, but there was a lot of information. So my research, the library was full of, there were books and periodicals were full of the Jackie Robinson legacy and, and career. And uh, uh, so um, my connection with, with people of color uh, probably got ingrained then. And uh, I grew up in, the, in, in, uh, in a great era of Willie Mays and Jim Brown and uh, Bill Russell, and uh, these, uh, we didn't have television until I was in seventh grade. And I think television and, and uh, watching the Illinois State Basketball Tournament on, on television and seeing uh, Chicago Marshall and uh, people like Cassie Russell uh, and uh, George Wilson and Pitts, the, the inside uh, post guys for Cincinnati's back-to-back -back, uh, national championship team, University of Cincinnati, back in what, uh, 63, 64. Anyway, they, they beat Lucas, Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek of Ohio State out in the regionals two years in a row. And this was Oscar, after Oscar Robertson graduated. And um, so anyway, I grew up with my sports heroes, uh, really were black people. Uh, Mickey Mantle, of course, was was uh, a favorite, and there was there was a rivalry in the press between Mantle and Mays. But uh, you know, just I don't know. Uh, we, I know we got talented people today, but um, my my sentiments because I grew up and was a kid knows is that I think Bill Russell's the greatest player just because of the record and and uh, basketball. Robertson is not too far behind. I love uh, I love Magic Johnson, but. Uh, uh, and then uh, it's pretty hard. Uh, uh, Jim Brown is always has to come in the discussion. Of, and when you talk about the greatest football players, not just grading running backs, uh, which reminds me of something. You've got a you've got a, a Johnson playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, from Iowa. Yeah, Northern and Iowa. He's from Northern Iowa. Grew up in Clinton, Iowa. But there's a decorum story about him. Really. And uh, two years ago, year ago last summer, he won the rock throw contest at the. At the Nordic Fest <laughs> in in Decorah, Iowa. And, 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 and that Nordic Fest has some some secrets with some brothers doing some things like Benny Boy, but that's yeah, a whole yeah, other no. story. Uh, that is a different story. We won't go into that. But um, uh, he was he was at Northern Iowa going into his senior year, and I was I happened to be a volunteer that was uh, actually running this rock throw. Um, the, I won't take a long time to describe it, but uh, it's a hundred pound rock. And uh, there are classes. There's a there's a 50 pound, 75, 100 pound rock, and he was uh, it, you know he weighed 230, 235, and uh, so he was in the heavyweight class and had to had to throw this rock, 100 pound rock, and uh, was dating a, a gal in Decora at the time, from Decora, and anyway, uh, the announcer that day, a guy by the name of Elliot Christian, said this guy, we'll be seeing on Sundays in two years. And uh, you know, and, and you know, he he drew a big crowd. I mean, I we have we've never uh, I've worked that rock throw many years, but uh, we've never had a crowd like that. <laughs> and uh, and and what what a great gentleman! 
uh, he, he was so cordial and so appreciative of, uh, of, the, uh, of the fact that so many people appreciated him. But uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, the, the, the rock throw champion of Decorah, Iowa was one of the best. He made, he made rival Jim Brown before he gets done. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, what is probably, I mean, for someone that's been at a college 42 years, which is really almost unheard of, what is one of your most unique recruiting experiences? Oh, unique. Uh, one that just stands on the nasinator's brain. Oh, man. there's. Uh, uh, first of all, what I would say about recruiting um, at the Division three level and, and for the institution that, that I was uh, recruiting for uh, was, was a lot of hard work, but it was also a joy because, uh, uh, um, well, and, and a great learning, because you, you, you learn rejection. I mean, uh, you certainly don't get every kid you go after, you, and, and you don't even come close, and you really fall in love with kids and their families, and uh, you get to know them. Real and, fast, weren't you close to having Mike Turner? Oh, uh, you're talking about, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Michael yeah, DeBernard Turner? Yeah, North Chicago. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was at North Chicago High School, and it was in a room one on one on one with with Mike Turner, and the only school recruiting him at the time was Northern Illinois, which is where he ended up, and and uh, everybody kind of knows the rest of the story on that one. But um, he was he was set up to come and visit Luther with some of his buddies, and I think I think he was coming along more for the joyride than than uh, he was serious. But again, what a gentleman and what a what a fine young man as a seventeen eighteen year old in high school. Uh, excellent student, and uh, and the day that uh, the day that he was going to come with his three or four of his high school classmates to Luther, um, he didn't show up at the school and uh, for the for the van trip to come to the college, and so the head coach was there and he said that's not him. That's if he not. said he was coming, he would come, and so we went to his house, and the coach knocked on the door and he said. Uh, I don't want to waste your time, but I just signed with Northern Illinois, uh, and he had the day before, and so he didn't he didn't want to uh, take advantage of a situation, nor he did he need to, and uh, th th we know the rest of that story too. Yeah, and, and just so you know, uh, Luther is about five and a half hours from the area that Coach Naslin would drive a van, and he would go further than that into the city, and drive. I mean, he can leave a football practice and drive all the way to another state, get the kids to come back in time for a basketball game. I mean, this is this, I'm talking about burning oil. We've actually I actually had the opportunity to do the same with them, uh, and so it's just it, it's interesting. Oh, so, but right now we are going to uh in a bit take a break and uh but wanted to just it, it's just interesting so your most interesting story most interesting story ever yes oh man uh, i i uh say well we used to have uh, we used to have required chapel at luther required every day and um so we attended chapel, and uh, one day I, I happened to sit by this beautiful brunette young lady in chapel, 
And I knew her. In fact, her older sister I knew. But make the long story short, walking out of that chapel uh, service, I asked her for a date. She's my wife of today, Ann Naslin. So you're recruiting and recruiting at chapel. <laughs> the Nasinator is always on the move. Uh, now, I have to tell a funny story. So hey, you probably get mad at me. It's on radio, but it's amongst friends and family. So uh, one of the days we were recruiting together, we went to stay at my house at my parents. And <laughs> Coach Boyd, we always get a laugh out of it. One of the things you'll know about Coach Bob Naslin, he is, he's himself. He's consistent. And so he's, when you go to his house, you're at home. He came to my house. My parents were gone. My sisters were there. And I never forget walking downstairs and Coach Naslin in his undies walking around. I was like, Coach, put us clothes. <laughs> and to this day, Every time I think about that, I just fall out laughing. I was like, that is my guy. And um, I did raise two daughters, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just so, it was so funny. Um, but sports have, and the type of athletes that have come on your campus, I mean, we've had so many pro-type perspectives uh, we have guys that beside, before me going to the NFL, but after, yeah, Milt Henderson, that's uh, the s- assistant director of scouting, college scouting for the Baltimore Ravens. You have his brother, um, what's you call it? Um, Marty. M- Marty, that's uh, scouting. He, is he with the Browns still? I or? think he might still be with the Browns. Yeah. Uh, watch, and so then you had guys like a Tyler Sheridan, uh, who to this day, uh, and I say this, and I, I'm not trying to race bait or anything like that, but if Tyler Sheridan was black, he's in the NFL right now. I mean, he was one of the most unique athletes. He, you know, he was a 400-meter runner, uh, one of the most unique leaders. Uh, I mean, I found I've met and interacted with so many unique people, but not just as you know, people, but even as athletes, it's like, how are these guys not playing at Notre Dame? Or how, I mean, you have a few of those guys. Uh, and the story, here's the uh, another thing when I was there. The roster was, we used to be consistent about 117 guys. And we had what we call black on black on Monday, Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> and we, one of the things Luther did was retain guys that would never play in their four years. They may never play on a varsity, but they remained loyal and on campus, had getting degrees and taking care of the program. I mean, it's just astonishing. And I know you had some guys that were in pro camps when you were coaching. Yeah, there uh, a couple of the Chicago area kids, Tilden, uh, both from Tilden Tech in Chicago, uh, Larry Davis and and. Uh, Troy Pendleton um, signed free agent contracts, and uh, but they didn't make it to the final cut. Uh, with uh, one was with the Bears, and the other one was with the Browns. But uh, our small college football is uh, 
Uh, Vern Dan Herter came out of Central College in the Iowa Conference and was the no-name defense with uh, the Miami Dolphins at Super Bowl champions, the perfect season. He was a starting defensive end for 10 years for the Dolphins. Fred Jackson from college. Freddie Jackson, Cole College right now. And I think, I, I don't Seattle. know. He's with Seattle and uh, played in, in that league. Uh, Wilbur Young from William Penn College played 10 years, starter for Kansas City. But So it's, it's possible. Uh, well, the NFL will find you if you're yeah. good enough. Yeah, and, and the thing is, uh, that place knows how to bring in guys and, and develop them. Um, but, Coach, it's great having you come. I mean, I'm we're, I'm going to hang out with them, and you would think I'm a Luther alum. Uh, I actually I'm a, I get to go to the, some of the festivities that are taking part uh, here in Phoenix, and uh, I'm really glad to have you on the show. Um, this is uh, – this would be one of those shows that I cherish. Uh, so, guys, make sure we take care of this in the archives. Uh, but, Coach, thank you for taking the time and coming out. Uh, we're more than just pro sports. We're about everything. So I appreciate you, Coach. And uh, Thank go- you, J.D. And thanks for everything you did for Luther while you were there, too. Hey, no problem. Hey, Norseman, go. Let's go. Go Norse. All right. Well, thank you, and we're out of here. Peace. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144, 1-888-346-9144, or send an email to jdharris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back. Um, real fast, we're going to just start covering a couple things. We talked We talked about Kansas City. We bo- I, If I'm not mistaken, Reese, you said you're kind of favoring uh, New England, but we'll do the picks. But another interesting game was uh, Green Bay and Washington. I, did you like that? <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> Green Bay looked good. I mean, let, let's face it. Uh, they've been kind of, you know, in a in a questionable state the last couple of games, similar to New England with their play and especially with the uh, offensive line play, but they look, they look really good. They held up for the most part. Uh, Aaron Rodgers made plays when he needed to, but I I think the key factor in that game was the effectiveness of Eddie Lacy, uh, especially late in the game when he was able to pick up first downs and, and, and breaks a brick intermediate run. So, um, that now, being said, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens going, going forward, but, but Washington, you know, I don't, I, the way the game started off, I thought Washington, especially when they got the safety and Washington has just proven to be a little feisty team. They're just like Kirk cousin. I thought Washington, I, I, I was like, here it goes again. 
Washington's going to put their hands on Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers didn't know where he was at. That's how it looked like it was going to start off. But way to persevere. I mean, (laughs) I was really, really shocked. In the game, the score of the game doesn't actually reflect. I felt like it was a... At some points, it was a fairly decent game. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, <clears throat> especially between, uh, I'd say, the middle of the second and third quarters. I think it was, uh, because I, I'm like you, the, you know, they got an early safety, and I think they scored a touchdown right after that uh, to go up, what, 9 nothing, I believe, 8 nothing, mm-hmm. 9 nothing. And I, I actually thought that Washington was on the verge of blowing them out. Um, but the perseverance of Aaron Rodgers, the the uh, experience, and the guys made plays. Guys stepped up and and, and made plays uh, for him as well. So uh, kudos to them. So uh, real Washington, fast. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was gonna just make a general statement about Washington. I mean, I don't think anybody, well, that I know that I talked to, thought that Washington had a chance to win the, the division. So. When you look at the the landscape of the NFC East, I mean they're they're arguably the most stable situation you got you have going now because you know with uh, Coughlin gone from New York and you know uh, Dallas possibly and you know hunting for another running back maybe uh, what's his name go back down there but. I, I think, and Philadelphia, you know, Chip Kelly being fired from Philadelphia, you know, right now they're sitting there like, hey, you know, let's build off of this. Let's come back and, and be better and, and win the East again and get back in this thing with experience. So, yeah, I think terrible, terrible spot. division. Now, quick question on <clears throat> Washington. Would you, would you sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal based upon this season? Man, that's a excellent question, and I, you know, I'd have to think about that for a while. <laughs> um, does he have any years left on his contract, or the, is, is this it? Uh, I believe this is. I think this is it. I be, if I'm not mistaken. So that's very difficult, but you know, what what's the what's the uh, the the uh, ulterior? You know, what's what's the alternative, alternative. right now? You know, huh? If you don't lock them up, I mean, what, slap a franchise tag on them for a year? Uh, yeah, because I'm like, what else is out there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think right now you have to lock them up because, you know, Griffin, he's gone. Uh, and I'm interested to see where he ends up. You know, hope, you know, I think a good spot would be in Houston for him, but that's another story for another day. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think you have to lock Cousins up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Then going into the game that we have to talk about, <laughs> talking about lockup, it should have been a couple people locked up after this game. Cincinnati, talk about SIW, self inflicted wounds. Cincinnati yeah. really knew how to do it to themselves in this game. I mean, they were physical. They were doing the things that they needed to do. And then the enemy within. Bruh. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the Can't person that I feel, 
the person that I feel really sorry for, and this is Marvin Lewis, because everybody's going to look at him like, you know, why is he still there? Of course, you know, Stephen A. Smith has given him a hard time for the last couple of years, you know, being able to, you know, retain his job year after year after year and not win a, a playoff game after, what, 13 seasons. But there's a situation where they didn't have uh, Dalton. Um, I thought that A.J. McCarron actually played, you know, okay. It wasn't great. He didn't play great, but he played okay. He made a couple of good passes. But <clears throat> everybody's going to look at it and, and think that, you know, oh, Marvin Lewis is running an insane asylum. He, he There's but no Reed, discipline. Uh, yeah. Real fast, I want to I stop you with the A.J. McCarron. Basically, what he did was manage the game, and the game was theirs to win. No, oh, no, I agree. I totally, dude, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, and, you know, a couple of things, you know, before we even get to the, to the perfect hit on Brown, I mean, you know, he had made the interception, ran down to the tunnel, which should have been a penalty, by the way. I, I don't know what, or all those games. So, it was more yeah. Yeah, it was like, see, and I'm like, man, what's going on? But, you know, okay, whatever. What is it? The next play? Because I had walked away from the TV to do something. I don't know. I had to do something. I come back. The dude fumbles the ball. Pittsburgh gets the ball back. You know, so it's like, okay, it seems like everybody's for forgetting that situation. That was probably the most critical uh, play in that game because if he holds on to that ball and they continue to move the ball down, even if they get a field goal, they go up 10, okay, or whatever it is. I can't remember what the score. And then the opportunity for Perfect uh, uh, to, to make that hit on Brown is negated. It doesn't happen. And then all the shenanigans afterwards with, with Pac-Man. So – you know, I think that was much, much more critical than what happened after that. Yeah. Got to take care of the ball. <laughs> you got to take care of the ball. And, again, that that has something to do with it, you know, but still the other SIWs, it, it's just it's ridiculous. And as a head coach, I mean, in Cincinnati – I get when you're in Cincinnati and you're in a small market area where nobody wants to live, you almost have to take those castaways that other people may not touch, you know, the undesirables in a sense to build your program, but you have to have things in place to make those guys do right when they're there or want to do there. Like new England has, has that in place. So, I mean, not like Boston's a horrible place, but Cincinnati's not a place that is typically desirable market for a pro athlete. It's so, just, you know, one of them middle of the country, you know, small to mid market cities that, you know, they they do have to go that route to uh, you know, put talent out there. And yeah. I I just I just hate that with with this instance, you know, it, it's kind of hard to 
a man is going to do what a man wants to do. Okay. It's like, uh, you know, with laws, you know, laws are always there. Laws have been created. That doesn't mean that men are going to follow the laws. And this is a perfect instance here. I'm pretty sure that Marvin Lewis and the coaching staff time and time again, talk to them before the game about keeping your emotions in check because the previous two games were crazy and chaotic. So, and I'm pretty sure that he said, look, don't let yourself be that guy that costs us a game. But some people just don't have the IQ or the temperament to really, you know, uh, control themselves. And, so then and, it goes back to, you know, does Marvin Lewis have final say with who gets on the team? And, you know, because I know Cincinnati is one of the rare uh, teams where their coaching staff is really their scouting staff. But so bringing those guys in, you know, it was a reason why Burfick with the first round talent, but not drafted. You know what you get. Yeah. Pac-Man Jones. Yes. I mean, he I, give him credit up until, you know, this time he has been under the radar for the most part. He had that one hit uh, in the season, but for the most part, he's been a good abiding citizen since he's been there. Law, law abiding citizen. It's just, there's a lot of fingers to point. And it's like, which one do you start with first? Yeah, it it was just one of those things. It was like uh, the perfect storm almost because, you know, with the rule changes and uh, let's, let's face it, the late, the the hit was late. Uh, To me, it wasn't helmet to helmet. But I get, you know, it's it just falls into that category of defenseless receiver. Now, yeah. you know, with, with that real quick, if if Brown would have caught the ball, would it have been a legal hit? It still would have been targeting. It still would have been targeting. But it wasn't helmet to helmet. But it was hitting it. It was hitting a defenseless receiver, and I was like, so, "Where's that? Where's that rule when I needed it?" <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm I'm just thinking like in that type of situation, what is perfect supposed to do? Like sit, like stand there and twiddle his thumbs before he applies a hit. I, I just don't understand that because I, the, the, well, the letter of the law, break, I mean, I'd we'll to break. We'll talk about it a little bit further, but we'll be right back. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports are you a real sports fan get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lassiter formerly with the Arizona Cardinals San Diego Chargers and St. Louis Rams Kwame's got the experience so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lassiter's sports talk it's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday Tuesday Thursday and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time 12 noon Eastern time get ready for an unpredictable fun and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports that's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're back. Uh, We were discussing uh, finishing up with the Burfitt kit. And one of the things uh, I mentioned was you got to know who you are and how the officials are already watching you, and you just have to make smarter decisions. Um, but moving on from that, let's just let's go into the positive things. We have Seattle going to Carolina. I think this is a great matchup, even though Carolina beat Seattle at Seattle. I think Seattle takes this. I think Cam Chancellor makes the difference against Cam Newton. This is going to be, uh, I, I think this is going to be the mark. You know what? I think all the games are going to be good this week, unlike last week. But I, this is the one game that I'm looking forward to watching because of how well Russell Wilson is playing. And also, like you said, with Cam Chancellor being back and being able to almost, you know, shadow Cam Newton to, to some extent. But the real question mark is whether or not Marshawn Lynch is going to play this week. Uh, there's been a little bit of rumbling in uh, social media about him not playing last week, even though he practiced all week last weekend. Uh, people are speculating maybe he uh, held out from playing as a show of, okay, let's see what you guys do without me since you He's guys didn't want to give me the ball in the Super Bowl. I'm so, gonna tell you this: He's not that type of dude. That dude's a competitor, and he. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe I'm maybe, gonna dispel that one right off the bat. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I I, I agree, uh, but that's what some people are saying out there in in social media land. But if he plays, it's gonna be interesting because you're gonna have two power games with two mobile quarterbacks. Uh, and it may come down to what receivers make plays. You know, you have Baldwin, you have, I, I, you know, Olsen, who's the main target for Carolina. So very intriguing matchup. Carolina won in Seattle earlier in the season, but that's when Seattle was playing like doo-doo. It seems like they've pulled it together despite how they played last week. And, you know, the cold weather would do that to anybody. I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a good game. Yeah, I think that Carolina, what they do, 
gets nullified by what Seattle does. You know, Seattle's going to play the co- their cover three, single high safety. You're going to have Cam Chancellor in the box, possibly even just spying or yep. playing on Greg Olson. You might even lock, have him lock on Greg Olson, and I think is a match, is a better match. And Cam has fresher legs. You know, Greg has been beat up all season, and they're going to tell, I can see it now, hey, get ready, let's put – Let's put some pads on Olsen and uh, Newton. And if anybody could do it in the NFL, would be Seattle Seahawks. You know, they're a sound tackling team. They've got, and I think whether Marshawn plays or not, I think they'll win because the things that they're able to do to spread out the ball, you know, they're no, they know that they're going to see mostly cover two and cover three. So they'll know exactly how to attack, you know, where the corners aren't as much of a factor. And let's give credit to the little receiving group that they have. They got a whole bunch of young dudes that look like they don't even play football, and these dudes are playing well. They still don't have that guy that stretches the field, that takes the top off of safeties. Lockett is probably their closest thing, but uh, I expect a good game. Going to the next game, Green Bay coming here to Arizona. I don't think that game's going to be close, Reese. I don't think it'll be like last game, but I still see this as a two-touchdown game and very physical. And I think Aaron Rodgers is still remembering the nine sacks and not including all the other knockdowns that they put on. Yeah, I think that – It'll be it'll be within two touchdowns. I think that um, they're going to shore some things up, look at film, protect Aaron a, a bit better, even if they have to roll him out some. Um, but you know, overall, I think Arizona just has too much for the Green Bay defense to deal with, especially uh, the Green Bay secondary. Uh, I think that they're going to take some shots, more shots than usual downfield to really really test them. And and I think that'll uh, open up the run game late in the game. So um, I'm I'm thinking you know Arizona is going to win by by you know ten points, not fourteen, but but ten touchdown in the field goal. Uh, t- but I'm, t- I'm looking forward to it though. Well, Chris Johnson is back too. So uh, this week, and I think that makes a difference at depth with running back, um, which could cause more problems for a Green Bay as well. I think that with the pressure that they put the last time, and yes, Green Bay is going to go and try to shore it up and try to see how they can protect against this defense. But the issue lies with the fact that Arizona strength is also, their other strength is not just rushing their front four. Some of those sacks are coverage sacks. <laughs> and so I think that that the and they play solid Rundy, so I, it's I just see a long game for Green Bay frustration. Also, when you've been hit hard by someone, if they look like they're about to like they could be coughing, and you see their hand move, they start flinching. <laughs> that that's what I think it has happened and will happen with Green Bay. That wow, wow they put their hands on me. Well, you know, so, the, best, the best friend of a quarterback is the running game. So Eddie Lacy is going to 
have to put, be a factor in this game also for them to have a chance. But I, I think Arizona's going to win. Gotcha. And then we have, so we both, I said Kansas, I said New England being Kansas City. You said New England as well? Yeah, same thing. Same now thing. we have Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh versus New England, or Denver, correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And I, I really think that Pittsburgh comes back and wins this. If if they do, if if Antonio is playing, Pittsburgh wins. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh wins also, and it really has nothing to do with how Pittsburgh plays. It's just how Peyton Manning is going to play, and I, and I don't think you know even with the amount of rest that he had you know, being out a couple of weeks and, and, you know, he came in last week and yeah, they, well, not last week, the week before last. And yeah, they won the, won the game, but it's not like, you know, he had a rocket arm and he looked fresh and, you know, things looked totally different. I mean, they just squeaked, squeaked out a win in that situation. And I didn't see anything different. He's, he's still going to be floating the ball, throwing, you know, wounded ducks and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't I don't I don't believe in Peyton. He's done. He's washed up and I, I think Pittsburgh's gonna go in there and, and win. And I think they're gonna win big. So mean. So mean. I mean, so, I, I, I like Peyton, but I mean he's done. It's just like Kobe. Yeah, yeah I agree. Well, speaking of Kobe, you got the LA Rams going back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which man. I think is a good move for the NFL. It, it's a it's a good move <clears throat> in the sense of, you know putting a team back in that market, even though that market really didn't support their teams to begin with. But that's another story for another day. But I just feel kind of sorry for St. Louis fans. Uh, you know, I was listening to Dan Deardorff on uh, Mike, Mike and Mike this morning. And he was talking about how, you know, when the Cardinals had moved to Arizona, really that was more shocking and more hurtful than, than St. Louis because it felt like, you know, well, not St. Louis, but the Rams because the Cardinals have been there for a much longer period of time. So uh, I, I plan to write a, a blog about that later on tonight. To, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting, about... especially with the depth and st- depth that was left with the city and stuff like that in the state. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I look forward to these games. I will be at the Cardinals uh, game this weekend. Reese, man, it's always a pleasure, brother. Absolutely. Same here, man. And thank you all for listening, and we will invite you back next week to the Man Cave to talk about these hirings and all that stuff. So you guys stay safe out there. Have a good weekend. All right, we're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of the Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.